knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just remember that, yes, this is hard. I'm not trying to shame anybody, but remember, there are people dying every day. And if you're still alive, you're one of the lucky ones, right? So um, try to wake up and think about something you're grateful for. I'm Lane Norton, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right. We've got Dr. Lane Norton, Bio Lane. Uh, one of our earlier guests that we've had on the podcast. If you're interested, you can go back and check that one out. But today we're going to check in with with Lane Norton and uh, learn all about immune health, all about things that are going on. But uh, Lane, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Just uh, holding up best I can with, um, I think uh, everybody's kind of in the same boat. You know what I mean? Yes, um, yes I and, do. Uh, before we get started, I just want to put out there, I'm, I'm not an infectious disease expert. I'm not an immune expert, but I will speak to what I know as far as like nutrition and lifestyle interventions for uh, the immune system. Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that, that I want to talk about today that I think is really important um, is something that you just addressed right there. Like straight away, you just clarify what you're an expert in and what you're not an expert in. And that is something that is crazy right now. Like if you get on Instagram, if you get on Facebook, if you get on YouTube there, I mean, who do you believe? What do you believe? 
who, what yeah. in the world is going on? There's some crazy claims that I'm hearing about uh, everything from, you know, oh, you can you can make yourself immune to coronavirus by doing certain things. You can you can boost your immune system by doing certain things. I don't know who do we listen to. Who should we listen to? Who should we not listen to? Yeah, this this whole thing is kind of. I think that there's a lot of different facets to it, and I think that one when people are desperate, and also when we have had our way of life so severely disrupted, there is the tendency to want to believe that there's a simple answer to this or that there's an answer that already exists and, and, and those sorts of things. And I think that's given the charlatans of the world and the, you know, so the, there's, there's basically two different types of people who are selling, you know, these magical solutions or these BS information. And, and the first kind is people who purely want to make money or have influence um, who know that what they're saying is is nonsense and are saying it anyway. But there's also people who actually believe this stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, and there, I mean, you can find people who millions of people who believe the Earth is flat, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that that is a thing. So, what I always tell people is um, what, what you kind of pointed out right away. Um, you can usually tell when somebody is not full of crap if they're kind of right up front, putting out the limitations of what they know. And I actually did a live this morning on Instagram and I forget what somebody asked me, but I said, you know, a lot of people will hear me come down hard on people who peddle this stuff and they'll say, look, Lane is so arrogant about his knowledge. And I'll say, no, no, it's actually the opposite. I know how much I studied and how much of my life I've devoted to this. And I also know how little I actually know. And so when I see right. people making drastic claims, I, I look at that and I go, you have even spent a, a thousandth of the time that I've spent on this and you're making this wild claim. Like, how dare you? That's actually what's arrogant. So, so just before we go, what, what are your qualifications? How long did it get? Yeah. Did it take you to get there? And, you know, just clarify that. Yeah. So uh, I have a bachelor's in biochemistry, uh, which was four years. And then I have a PhD in nutritional sciences, which was, took me about six years. Um, so just kind of a little bit more background, uh, because even nutritional sciences is a pretty broad area. Uh, my, my focus was in protein metabolism as well as body composition. So I would consider myself an expert expert in kind of, um, you know, muscle building nutrition, uh, fat loss nutrition, and, uh, just overall body composition. I also took a lot of advanced exercise, uh, physiology courses. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a exercise physiology expert, but I would consider myself competent in that realm. I did take some, you know, exercise immunology courses and and those sorts of things, as well as general courses where we learned, you know, about, um, you know, basic sorts of science in terms of viruses and how they operate, you know, molecular biology, biochemistry, um, a lot of different stuff. And, um, you know, the school I went to was, uh, the ranked second in the United States at the time, university of Illinois was ranked second at the time when I went there in nutritional sciences. And I think they're ranked third now. So I went to a pretty challenging program. And uh, one of the things was really emphasized by my advisor was know what you know, and also know when to say you don't know. 
and right. don't make claims that you can't back up. I always kind of think that that's a, that's a sign of somebody that really knows what they're talking about, whether it's fishing guides or whatever. I mean, you, sure. you go to the dock and one guy's making these huge claims and you know how great everything is. And the other guy is not saying a word. He's being very careful about what he says. And then if you press him on it, he's like, you know, if I go out with you, am I going to catch a, a, a big tarpon? Well, I don't know, man. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, that's kind of the guy that I'm going to gravitate to rather than if you go with me, I guarantee you, you're going to catch something yep. because, yep. you know, it's like, okay, well, this other guy's seen that the weather can change in one second and be completely different than it was when you, when you left And there's, I don't know, are you a good angler? You don't know anything about yeah. this person. How can you guarantee them that they're going to, going to catch a tarpon? But the person that Claire, that, that very quickly says, listen, I'm not an expert on this. You want to know about this? This is what I can tell you. And you see that a lot with, with uh, like government people. And I always thought that they were yeah. like, well, they're probably instructed, like you can speak on this, but you can't speak on these other things. So they're super careful about it. But now you have everyone talking about everything. I mean, and, and it's a time of great anxiety and it's a time that I everyone you, wants to be, um, like you're saying, looking for this cure more so than ever. Um, like the cure in your world is obesity or, uh, yep. losing weight for, for a competition or a contest or whatever. I mean, that's what you do a lot of, but there's no magic bullet and there's probably no magic bullet in protecting your immune system either. But that's one of the things that I want to discuss with you today. Yeah. Just, um, kind of going off that example, cause I know you're going to have a lot of listeners, um, who are, are, who listen to you for your, your fishing information, angling information. Um, that's actually how I got started. I watched <laughs> saltwater experience from, I think I started watching it in, I want to say like 2010, something like that. Yeah. So I've actually followed you probably longer than you followed me. <laughs> um, but I'll say, I'll use that comparison, right? Like, so if somebody, you know, the equivalent of somebody saying, you know, oh, this is, we could just fix it by gargling with salt water or something like that. That's like saying, oh, you want to catch a tarpon? Just use this lure every time. It works every time. Right. right. And no, no, <laughs> you know that everything matters. And, and, you know, I've been out with quite a few guides. And one of the things I've found, like you said, the best ones ended up being the ones who made a lot of qualifiers. So one of the best ones I ever went with, um, a guy in, uh, Anna Maria Island named Dave Boquin. And he, he said, you know, we're going to go, uh, I forget. It was like in June in Tampa when the, the tarpon runs kind of happening. And he said, you know, we're going to go for tarpon in the morning. Cause that's when they're typically running. Uh, we're going to use, uh, we kind of just did, um, free lining dead herring kind of just like live or dead chumming and then free lining. Right. He said, we'll probably have a pretty good chance to hook up to one. I don't know if we'll land one. There's a lot of boats. There's a lot of stuff to navigate, but we probably will hook up to one. Then we'll, uh, there's been a school of permit around Egmont. We'll cruise around there. Maybe we can find one and then we'll go for snook in the afternoon. And boy, we, we hit each fish exactly as he planned it. Right. It was pretty incredible. Um, and then another day I was going to take him out, my dad out with him. Uh, later in the year. And I wanted to take my dad tarpon fishing. And that morning he said, listen, we can do try for tarpon, but the bite's been really tough. He's like, they're, they're, they're laid up. They don't want to eat. We can try it. We'll, we'll find some, but I, I, I would, I would be very surprised if they eat right. what's been on fire is redfish. If you want to go catch some big redfish, I feel very confident we can do that today. So we said, I, I have learned over the years, listen to the guide 
you know, because if you're getting your lot, if you're getting your rod bent, you're usually happy. Right. And uh, that's what we did. We had an epic day catching, you know, big 35 inch plus redfish. So, um, yeah, but that was, you know, he straight up said he wasn't telling me what I wanted to hear at the risk that I might say, well, I don't want to spend, you know, $800 on a trip if my dad can't catch a tarpon. Right. I said, well, me and my dad can still go out and have a good time. So yeah. I like that you use well, that, that comparison. Yeah. Well, that's that exactly guy right. knows, he knows like the best thing is to use proper communication. And then, you know, there's, you don't want to raise someone's expectations to a, to a place where they're unreasonable and kind of the same thing here. Like you don't want to yeah. raise someone's expectations of being able to fend off the coronavirus to a place where they put them themselves at risk of actually getting it right. Like you want to, and, and I would think that even the experts right now are, are saying, look, this thing is brand new. We, we have no yep. idea what we're dealing with. And I think that's why we are going through such a lockdown like we've never seen before is because we don't know. Right. I mean, yeah. do we know, does anybody know what we're dealing with? We, we, you know, the coronavirus is a family of viruses. Um, this one in particular, we don't really have immunity to. Um, and one of the big problems with this is what's called the the R value, which is how many people get in, how many people a single person tends to infect. So for example, most influenza is about a one-to-one. So one person typically will give it to about one other person on average. Um, the coronavirus I mean, it's still new and evolving and we our data set is evolving because all we had before was from China and we know that they are not the most forthcoming with their data. And um, so now after a few months, we're starting to get more and more data on this. And you have to realize too, what we're looking at data wise, what the data we see today is actually what was happening two weeks ago. Yeah. Because it takes... It takes around one to two weeks for the symptoms to come out. And that's actually what makes this virus so difficult is because if you get the flu, typically you are infectious from the moment you start having symptoms. With this, you're infectious if you don't even have symptoms. And some people never get really strong symptoms. Some people go through and don't even know they had it. Meanwhile, they can spread it to so many other people. I think there was a story of um, they found one subject, I think it was in South Korea, who's, it was either South Korea or China. Uh, so they found one subject who spread it to a thousand other people. Wow. This person never got really strong symptoms. And because of that, they thought they were fine and spread it to a bunch of other people. Yeah. So, so do we know, do we know about that that's something I've been wondering about Did, because I've, I read at one point that you were contagious when you had a fever as far as the coronavirus goes. But what you're saying is that that might not be the case, right? Yeah. So the, the, again, I don't want to make strong statements because even right. the experts are sure. But what we, what we do know is that you can appear to show no symptoms and transmit the virus. And there are some people who have, gone through, basically they've gotten tested for whatever reason they were in the medical field or something like that. They didn't have symptoms, got tested and tested positive and were shocked. Um, and they've even had, I heard again, this is anecdotal reports of young people who have gotten it, who have had basically no symptoms. And then they've gone in and looked at their lungs and they actually have some lung damage. Wow. So it's, it's, this is why when people are referring this as an old person's disease, you have to be very careful about using that kind of wording. And you brought up the point of people ask me, they're like, why are you so against 
you know, people making statements or say, what's the worst that can happen? Like, for example, um, I went after a guy who kind of like was slyly trying to imply that a carnivore diet could help, you know, protect you against the, 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 the coronavirus. The reason is if you read the comments on those sorts of posts, several of his followers said, yeah, I'm not. And this person said, I'm a doctor and I'm not afraid. Terrible, terrible thing to say. Hmm. Uh, his followers were saying, yeah, my immune system has never been better. I'm on the carnivore diet. Uh, I, you know, I'm not afraid of this virus. Well, those people, first off, are more likely to take engage in risk-taking behaviors and believe that they are protected from this virus. Go out and even if they don't get sick, because if they're young and they're healthy, the evidence suggests that they have a relatively low chance that it's going to kill them or cause really bad outcomes. But you could transmit it to somebody who it can really hurt. Right. And I mean, I, I've seen this kind of like obesity shaming or like even like elderly shaming where it's like, oh, well, these people, the people who end up dying from this had pre-existing conditions anyway, as if that makes it okay that uh, I always tell people, so you don't have anybody in your family that you love or care about who doesn't have a, you know, pre-existing condition, right. you know, every, everybody's very, uh, or not everybody, but some people are very, um, disengaged until it affects somebody that they love. So what I always tell people or what I've been telling people is, okay, we don't really know what the mortality rate is right now because this is an evolving thing. If you look at Italy, I think the mortality rate last time I checked was somewhere around 10%. If you look at the United States, depending on where you're at, it's anywhere from one to 5%, depending on where you're at. If you look in China, I think they was in up like two or 3%. Uh, the cruise ship where everybody kind of got like 700 people got it. Uh, I think it was about 1% of people died. So there's debate about what the actual mortality rate of this virus is, but let's just take the low end of that. Let's, let's go 1%. Uh, this virus is extremely infective. If we did, or sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> infectious. If we did nothing and the estimates are, it could infect up to 40 to 70% of the population. Again, let's take the low end, 40%. If we're talking about 350 million people in this country, I believe is I believe that's around the 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 population of the US. That's about 1.4 million people. And then if we take um if we take, I'm sorry, that's about 140 million people. And then if we're talking 1% of that, that's 1.4 million people that are gonna die if we do nothing. Wow. So it's that is why you heard so many infectious disease experts c- come out and say, we need to do this, 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 and people comparing it to the flu. I still see people comparing it to the flu. I want to know when the last time the flu killed almost a thousand people in New York city in one day. Well, and people, I don't know. I don't know about that because that is one of the things that you, that you hear about. Like people will yeah. say, well, you know, the flu kills 300,000 people a year. And that may be true. I don't know what the number is, but the flu does kill a lot of people every year. So that's one of the things that is different about this one is like, why is this so much different? And part of, part of why I guess is because uh, of the damage to the lungs and that you actually need a ventilator, like to, to, I don't know what kills you in the flu. I think a lot of dehydration is a big problem. That's much easier to deal with than, than the ventilator. Right. Well, there's, oh, there's oh, a few Lane, things that Lane, just to let you know, you seem to have two cameras there. So I'm seeing you on the bottom camera, that one. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's actually, it's when I look up at my screen to see you. Oh, I got you. <laughs> so oh, I, I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no problem. I'm trying to, I can raise it just a little bit. No, no, no. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Okay. It's so, um, the, so there's a few things that make this more deadly. Now, if you're talking about a bad flu season, I think usually based on what I've heard, that's about 40,000 people in the U S who will die from a bad flu season. Um, now people will look at this and they say, I think I want to say, and somebody can fact check me. I'm sure. I believe currently we're around 10,000 people who are dead in the U S from the coronavirus. I think that's the last statistic I saw. So people will say, well, look at it. It still hasn't killed as many people as the flu. And what you have to do is you have to understand that's like saying, uh, looking at a hurricane that has just made landfall and saying, well, it's not that bad. It's only killed this many people. Hurricane Andrew killed this many. Right. Yeah. Well, you're ta- you, you, we've had a chance to, uh, you know, Hurricane Andrew was a while ago. We know how many people it killed. This is still happening. This isn't something that's just going to go away. We don't know when this will be done and over with. Right. Um, and I think that's what's giving a lot of people a lot of anxiety right now is it's kind of like they feel like life's on pause and they don't know when it's going to get back to normal. Well, I don't, I don't think anybody knows when it, I mean, life is on pause and I don't think anybody knows when it's going to be back to normal. My, my, just a, a a rookie kind of assessment is that it, I thought when this first happened, I was like, well, I think it's going to kind of, you know, the curve is going to flatten. Everybody's going to go back and then we're going to have another spike and we're going to, and this is going to be the new normal of going into lockdown every now and then. So that's what I'm preparing myself for. But I feel like, I feel like right now I've kind of put you in a, in a position to where we're talking about things that, that you're not an expert in. So I want, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, we're having a nice conversation, but I don't want to, I do want to get to the point of what you do know about. I do want to say one thing. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind with regards to the coronavirus versus the flu is one of the reasons the flu is not so bad is we do have a level of immunity to the, to the flu because most people have been exposed to the flu. Now, influenza can be many different strains, but there does seem to be, from my understanding, cross immunity to those. So people will say, for example, you know, the flu vaccine is only 40 to 60% effective. That's true in terms of completely preventing the flu. However, if you have that vaccine and you end up getting influenza, it does seem to make it less severe. Yeah, that that was something that I just learned about on uh, on actually on Joe Rogan's podcast when he had Dr. Peter Hotez on there. That's what he was saying is that if you were to I mean, and that's been my experience before of getting a flu shot. And having the flu shot be for uh, A or whatever they had forecasted. Yep. And then B is the strain that's going around. And so you get strain B. But what he was saying is that that flu shot that you got for A is partially protective over B. I never knew that. So yep. um, I guess you would, seems- your symptoms wouldn't be quite as bad or it might protect from certain things or, or whatever. We also have antivirals for the flu that seem to shorten the duration as well. So keep in mind right now for the coronavirus, we have nothing like there is, there's been drugs that they've suggested, um, that might help, but every expert I've heard says, you know, we're buckling, we're, we're a year away from a vaccine. Um, I do have some faith in, in humankind. I think that when a lot of really smart people put their mind to something, that they can accomplish amazing things. And I, I do believe that that's going to happen. I believe that in the next few months, we're, we're going to get 
not, if not a complete solution, I think things are going to be looking a lot less grim. Yeah. Um, but I think people need to prepare for the fact that it's not going to be May 1st and everything's going to go back to normal. Right. It's probably going to be a gradual reintroduction of, you know, okay, well, and I'm just guessing, but it's going to be, okay, well now you can go out and we're going to open up some other businesses, but there can only be these, this many people in a space and they have to be separated by this much. Right. So mm-hmm. if your restaurants open back up, for example, they're not going to be at capacity. They're going to be operating at, you know, a quarter or a half capacity, that right. sort of thing. Um, and it's going to be a slow reintroduction. I don't think, again, this is my uneducated opinion in this area, but I would be surprised if five years from now we're having these lockdowns. I, I think we're going to have solutions for it by that time. And hopefully based on the way other viruses behave, we'll have some kind of herd immunity as well, hmm. where it will be kind of like, hopefully, and I could be, could be wrong, but hopefully it will get to the point where it is like a seasonal flu where yes, it does kill, you know, thousands of people every year and it's very terrible, but it's not going to be something that sends us into lockdown every year. Right. So that's a good segue into, into this, like, what is it that you can do? Is it, is it reasonable to assume like you can, you can say if you have a stronger immune system, you can go and everyone around you gets the flu and you have good hygiene and you're being very careful. You're washing your hands. You're not drinking after people. You're being very careful. But part of that is that you have fended off that virus that you did not get sick for whatever reason. Maybe it's entirely hygiene, but a good immune system is beneficial for like, like let's just say the flu or the common cold or something like that. So if you have, if your immune system is on, on point and you're doing all the things necessary, it's reasonable to say that you have a better chance of not getting sick than someone who has a poor immune system. Is that fair? Well, so I want to be really clear with coronavirus. We just don't have that much data. So I, I can't say for sure. Um, now in general, in terms of viruses, bacteria, if you have a good immune system, um, it may or may not lower your chance of getting sick, but it probably certainly will assist you in not getting such a severe reaction. But I mean, even me, I, I eat healthy. I stay healthy, never been obese, never had, I don't take any drugs or anything like that. Always been very healthy person. Don't get sick that often. I got influenza a in 2017 and it, I tell you what, here are some words I will never use again. Oh, I think I might have the flu. No, no, no. <laughs> when you've had the flu, you know, because yes. it knocked me out for a solid three weeks. Well, I didn't feel completely normal for about six. I had, I had a very similar experience and, and to the point of, of, let's see, it's, it's 2020. So this would have been 2015 or 2016. I got it. And I told my wife, I see now how people die from the flu because I could not get up out of the bed to get a drink of water. And I thought if you had no one helping you and you couldn't go get the medicine and you couldn't get water, you could sit right here and die of dehydration. I mean, that's how I felt. That's how bad it made me feel. So I don't, (laughs) I mean, and, and other people have it even worse, you know, and and this thing is even worse than that. So I don't know. I mean, a, a healthy immune system, you can't be doing yourself a disservice necessarily by having 
a healthy immune system, certainly at this age, this day and age, right? Typically, no. Now, here's the caveat to that. There was one particular disease, the Spanish flu in the early 1900s, that actually tended to kill young, healthy people more so than weaker people because um, it caused such a massive inflammatory response that the fever and the massive amount of inflammation ended up killing people. So people who had healthier immune systems have, have bigger... Uh, part of the immune system is the inflammatory response. We always think about inflammation as being a bad thing, but inflammation, targeted inflammation can be a very good thing to fight disease. Um, so young, healthy people had such robust uh, inflammatory responses that it actually ended up killing more of them. Now that's, wow. I wouldn't look at that as being the standard, right? But I think it's important to point out that it, it it's never just clear black and white. Uh, that being said, Again, we don't have hard data, but based on the infection rates, based on the mortality rates of different age groups, and based on the mortality rates of people with uh, pre-existing conditions and comorbidities, it certainly appears like people who have healthier immune systems, young people who are in shape, um, who don't have comorbidities, seem to get much, much, much uh, less severe effects from this virus than other people. So in that terms, yes, it does seem like having a better immune system will help you. But he now here's the really strong caveat I want to make. You're young, you're healthy, you're exercise, you're in shape, you eat right. Do not, do not think that you can afford to be careless just because of that. Because even if it doesn't affect you, you could still spread it to somebody who it could kill. Right. And so that's part of the responsibility. It's not just about you. We have to think about, you know, everybody. And, um, and even then, again, we, we have some anecdotal reports and I don't want to put too much weight in that, but some young, healthy people who end up getting lung damage from this virus when they felt like they didn't have many symptoms. So I think everybody still needs to be careful. Should you be doing everything you can to make yourself healthy? Absolutely. But you probably should be doing that anyway. Right. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, of course, exercise, proper nutrition, getting enough vitamins and minerals, getting enough fiber, those sorts of things, getting enough sleep. Sleep is a big one. All those things can help your immune system. But there's no like hack. There's no like boost you're going to do that, for example, in two weeks is just going to make you so much more resistant to any virus. Mm. Th th these are things that needed to be happening months ago. Right. And, and possibly years ago to build. It's like saying, um, you know, I, I want to squat 500 pounds and you've never lifted before. Right. You can't just go in and do, you know, a double, double day workouts every day for two weeks and expect to go squat 500 pounds. It's not going to happen. It takes years of work. Uh, building a really robust immune system is likely no different. Right. Uh, but that being said, even if you are, for example, obese or pre-diabetic or type 2 diabetic or, or you you're in poor health, if this is the impetus for you to start becoming healthy, don't feel like it's worthless to try and start right now because this isn't going anywhere for a while. And maybe you can make improvements to your immune system over the next few months or few years 
that help you not get not just against this, but against a, a whole host of other things. Right. So if this is if if people think some people have accused me of being anti lifestyle intervention, and I'm not at all. I'm just trying to make sure people understand that it's not a cure and it doesn't mean that you're protected. But if this is the impetus to get you to do that, then absolutely do that. All right. So we're going to, we're going to definitely go through some of the things that you could, you could do, but in your, in your opinion, knowing what we know and more importantly, knowing what we don't know, would you say that in terms of a short term fix that it's, more important. I mean, it seems like what you're saying is it's more important to focus on the things that you can control immediately, like hygiene, like washing your hands, like not touching your face, like being super careful in those ways and cleaning properly and staying away from other things rather than focusing on the immune system, hoping, hoping that that is going to provide you some insurance against this or the common cold or the flu or anything else that you could pick up right now? So I think you have to look at this as kind of a two pronged attack, right? Um, the exercising, eating right, sleep, that is building a very robust and broad foundation for you to be a healthy person and have a good immune system. Your being high level of hygiene, uh, social distancing, those sorts of things. That is the immediate short term, what we can do right now to limit the spread of this um, that makes the biggest difference right now. Right. Now, if we want to have the argument, okay, if 350 million Americans, if there was only 1% obesity rates and nobody, very few people were pre-diabetic and had comorbidities, would that work better? Sure. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but maybe, uh, but that's not an argument we can have right now because it's, it's, it's one, we're not there. It's not the reality. So we have to deal with the reality that's here right now. And uh, you made a really good point. What can you do right now with the tools that we have and what you can do right now with the tools that we have that we understand is practice really good hygiene, it sounds boring as hell, but wash your hands, <laughs> uh, you know, very frequently. If you have hand sanitizer, if you have a hand sanitizer, have hand sanitizer with you whenever you're going out in public. Um, there was, I saw also the CDC put up something where, you know, and I don't want to oversell this because the only mask, the type of mask that's been shown to um, really completely stop this disease from, from, um, infecting people is kind of the really serious, like gas mask style mask that you see with the, the, the you know, the weird looking tubes yeah. on the side. I, yeah. I forget the exact, <laughs> exact name of it. Um, but they have said that there may be utility to kind of your normal looking surgical mask. If you don't have access to that, uh, actually what they've suggested is you could take a bandana, take a coffee filter, put it under the bandana and put that around, or even for our fishing people out there, you could probably just use a buff and put a coffee filter under that. Right. Right. So that, I mean, that may be something you can do. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting idea. I hadn't heard the coffee filter, but I guess that's because the, the molecule is so small that it could go right through regular, regular fabric. And so maybe the coffee filter would, would stop it. And that's a pretty good idea. Buff is going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, and I, again, I don't want to oversell it. Um, you know, that, that it, it probably is not going to completely prevent it. 
it may only be a small improvement. This is just something the CDC has said, hey, just, just try this. You know, it, it might be right. a little bit better. So I, I don't want people thinking, well, I put my coffee filter under my uh, under my buff or under my, uh, you know, um, bandana. I'm good to go. I can go out and mingle and do all this. Kind of, I, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, if you have to go to the grocery store, if you if you have to do those sorts of things, you know, just just try to be as mindful as you can. Um, you know, it's it's it it really sucks. Um, but yeah, like when I go, like, for example, when I go get gas, uh, one of the things I do is I'm very mindful about touching my face. Um, I, once I pump gas, I go in, wash my hands and I, um, I take a few paper towels. I use that to turn the doorknob to, to get me out of the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of back my way out of the door when right. I leave the gas station. Right. right. Again, it's not foolproof. There's nothing foolproof about it. I could have been in a room where somebody just coughed up a bunch of coronavirus into the room. And if I'm going in breathing those droplets, not much I can do about it, right? Right. But again, you do what you can with the tools we have right now. And the best thing you can do is try to limit yourself from human contact. And that's tough. Now, that being said, we have still seen friends during this time, but they are friends who are, for example, um, that we... Uh, like we have uh, a nanny for my kids and, and she goes back and forth. So we've hung out with that family and that's pretty much it right? because, you know, we're, we're already in the same boat and we just make sure we're not really hanging out with many other people. And, um, but it's very, very tough. Like I really feel for the people in New York city right now. I mean, imagine if you were in a small apartment oh, in man. New York and you couldn't go anywhere. I, I, I just can't even imagine. I, I was in a little, we have a little rental property and, and the, people moved out. Right. So because of all this, the guy lost his job. He has to move out. So Ugh. we, I went over there to check it out and it's a small place and there is a balcony that is six and a half feet long. And I mean, I'm doing, you know, telling people on the podcast, like, you know, you can do burpees and you can, you can do all this anywhere. Yeah. And so I go out on that deck and I'm like, wow, this would be like in Italy, this would be a large balcony. Uh, yeah. from what I've seen on, on Instagram or whatever. And so I try to do a burpee there. I'm like, huh, a little harder than, than I made it out to be, <laughs> you know, it turns yeah. out you might need seven feet instead of six and a half feet for somebody my size. So anyway, um, I don't know how you would do it. I mean, but I did talk to someone had friends in Manhattan and they were saying that they had, uh, taken their last delivery. They had shut the door and they were no longer going to use the front door for three weeks. That's, that's how it's curious. It's gotten up there. And in a small little Manhattan apartment, you're not going to leave that apartment for three weeks. Yeah. So. yeah it's, it's scary. I, I uh, had somebody reach out to me on Instagram who her and her husband had actually had the coronavirus and they had kids and they were, you know, um, they were just like, how do we do this? Cause they, they, they described it as being like a really brutal, brutal, brutal flu where they had trouble breathing and that kind of stuff. And they had to stay away from their kids. Their kids pretty much had to fend for themselves because they couldn't bring anybody into the home to help them because they're infected. Did the kids I end mean, up this, getting it or did they stay safe? I think the kids ended up not getting it. Wow. Thankfully they, they quarantined each other. And I think I want to say the husband got it kind of got better, but kind of before the wife and she was able to, so she was able to kind of quarantine herself while the husband, you know, took care of some basic needs for the kids. But I mean, that's an extremely scary scenario. I mean, especially like if you're, you know, you know think about young single mother with a, you know, a baby or something like that. Right. I mean, this, 
It's, this is why it's very important not to say things like, well, this is an old person's disease. We don't need to worry about it. That is a very selfish way to look at this. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be an alarmist or anything like that. I don't think this is the end of the world. I don't think this is the end of the economy. I, I don't think that this is going to fundamentally change our society. Um, I, I think in 10 years, we're going to look back and go, you know, this will be the 9-11 sort of thing yeah. for the young kids of this generation. Right. But I, I, I don't believe it's going to fundamentally change. You know, I, I believe that there's going to be large sporting events again, big concerts, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think for right now, we we have to sacrifice a little bit. And I think if we do that, we're going to get through this. Yeah. Do you think that what has to happen for the sporting events to return is that there has to be a vaccine that everyone can take and make it make it um, uh, available to everyone? So that's that's quite a ways down the road. I mean, it's 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 a, yeah. a year down the road to test this vaccine and say, OK, this seems safe. Now we're going to make a ton yeah. of it. And everybody's going to get some, but I mean, that's my feeling. Like in order to, in order to go back to normal, that's what's going to have to happen. But I don't, I don't know. I keep thinking about it all the time. Like what has to happen to open a park, to open yeah. something outdoors that to me doesn't seem like it, it's that dangerous, right? Like you got ultraviolet sun and wind and, and that seems like it kills everything else. I don't know. Maybe it kills the coronavirus, but it seems like outdoors would be a safe place, but all these parks are closed. So like what kind of information would need to become available for the, for the authorities to say, okay, I think it's time we feel good about opening, you know, this public space again, outdoors. Yeah, this is tough because it's not only a medicinal question, but kind of a policy question as right. well. And a legal um, question, right? Yeah. Like that so could be a legal I'll, issue. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my best opinion. <laughs> um, so I think the first thing that has to happen is they have to see a consistent decline in the case number over several weeks before they're even going to consider opening anything back up. Um, and I, I think school is done for this year. Yeah. I don't think they're going to, I don't even think summer school, I think it's going to be fall before they go, the kids go back to school. Um, and even when they go back to school, it may be something different in terms of there may be a lot of policies still in place about distancing and the kids can't touch each other and, and that sort of thing. Right. Um, but I think if we start to see the cases dropping uh, over the course of a few weeks, I think the restrictions will start to get loosened. And I think the other thing that the, the health industry is really worried about and what they're really focusing on is they want to be, they want to make sure that they have the capacity to treat everyone at the standard of care uh, that comes in. And what they mean by that is they don't have to triage. So from, from my understanding, one of the reasons it's been so deadly in Italy is one, they have a lot of smokers and two, a lot of large elderly population, but also when you start to get hospitals so overrun where uh, from what I understood and I have, um, I talked to some people in Italy and a couple of doctors said, we're having to decide who's going to live and who's going to die. Wow. That, that we're in that position where we have to triage almost like battlefield triage. And we have to say, this person's probably not going to make it. We're going to take the ventilator off them and give it to somebody who can. Um, so I don't believe we're in that position yet. Now, I, again, I don't know, maybe some places in New York we are, I'm not sure. Um, 
but that is what the government is trying to prevent. And I think a lot of people are missing out on the, the purpose of the lockdowns. It's not to wipe out the virus. That's not going to happen until we have an antiviral or a vaccine, that sort of thing. The, the purpose of the lockdown is to, you've probably heard the term flatten the curve. Yeah. The idea is not to decrease the total caseload. It's to decrease the rate of the caseload, meaning you don't have such a massive spike that it overwhelms the healthcare industry and they cannot possibly treat every person who comes in at the standard of care. We could still have the same total case number over the course of a year, but we could have way less fatalities if everyone has access to a ventilator who needs one. And so that is the point of this is trying to cut down the amount of people who are going to flood the hospitals at once so that we're able to treat them to the standard of care and everyone can get the care that they need. And if we start getting to the point where that gets, gets overwhelmed, not only this is what a lot of people miss out, not only are people with the coronavirus going to be more likely to die. What if you have a heart attack? What if you have some other kind of lung disorder what if you have any other kind of disorder and now you've got so many doctors and nurses and everybody who are so focused on treating coronavirus patients that these other people also aren't getting the amount of care that they need. Right. So that is one of the things people really need to be mindful of is it's not just about the people who are getting the coronavirus. It's about the overall load on the healthcare system. Yeah. So I don't want to make this all doom and gloom. Uh, the most models are saying that we're going to peak probably next week overall in the United States. The cases are going to peak next week and then we're going to start to see a slow downturn. Um, in some states, it's going to be later because they instituted these lockdown procedures later. But overall for the United States, most of the models are predicting anywhere from mid-April to late April. Hmm. So hopefully, my hope is that Sometime in June. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. If things continue to progress the way the models are suggesting, we'll start to see some loosening of these restrictions. Yeah. And then by late summer, things may start to go back to a little bit more like what we know. And then maybe by fall, we'll start to have some sort of where you can gather in public places. But as far as like big sporting events and stuff, I'm not sure. That's that's really tough. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. But in the meantime, if you did think about wanting to do everything that you possibly could, I mean, to, to enhance your immune system, to make your immune yeah. system as strong as you possibly could. And, and just like you said, maybe not for next week, but maybe for next year, or maybe just to create good habits that you should have had already. Like, or maybe 10 years down the road right. so you don't die of type 2 diabetes or heart attack. Yeah, or maybe, uh, or maybe to, to show a good example for your children so that they can, have the rest, they can have these habits for the rest of their life. Like, obviously, you know, there's some things that sound kind of boring, kind of like wash your hands, like get yeah. a good amount of sleep. But let, let's just talk about some of those things because, you know, a lot of people 
you know, don't think about some of the very simple things um, like enough sleep. And right now you see people that are uh, staying up super late. They're watching tons of Netflix or whatever. And, um, you know, it seems like right now is the time that you have, you actually have the time. You don't have to get up and be at work at a certain hour for a large portion of the people. They can just walk downstairs and, and still be in their pajamas or whatever. So there's opportunity for more sleep. There's opportunity to change some of these habits that maybe, you know, because of the way the world was five, six weeks ago, that wasn't a possibility. And now maybe it is. So it's a good opportunity to change some things maybe. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack. I think the first thing that I will say is, you know, is I'll, I'll make a, a lifting comparison for your fitness audience and then a fi- an angling comparison Great. for your fishing audience. Have both. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so lifting wise, um, you know, it'd be like, what, what's the one neat trick you can do to boost your squat or whatever. And most people who are actually good at lifting will be like, um, be really consistent with squatting and focus on your technique. Um, eat right, train <laughs> consistently, don't quit, you know, the state yeah, trying to stay the one thing free, you can do. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, but so what, what is the stuff that works for most things? It's boring, right? So what is the best way to become the best angler you can? I'm, I'm guessing and Tom, you tell me if I'm wrong, but you're going to say things like, uh, be out in the water really consistently, mm-hmm. uh, take notes of what worked on what days, try to pick up trends, weather, study your weather, well, study your weather patterns, study the tides, study the tendencies of these fish and, you know, practice your knots, you know, those sorts of things. Absolutely. Make sure that your, your tackle is cared for and all that kind of stuff. And it's not going to be, well, if you just put, you know, this, you know, yeah. uh, this sit thing on your lure, oh, you're just going to catch all the fish, right? right. Like it, it doesn't work like that. Right. But basically what you're saying is pay attention to the details. But a yeah. lot of times, like if you're talking to an angler that is, or a lifter that is of, is a super novice. They don't even know what the details are. You talk to somebody that's been doing it for 20 years and they're like, okay, yeah, make sure the hooks are sharp. Make sure, you know, this is that. Make sure there's gas in the boat, of course. Make sure you show up and everything's nice and clean and all that stuff. You know, you know, show up and train as hard as you can for the amount of time that you have allotted to it. Follow a good diet plan, you know, all these different things. But some people don't even know what those, what the details are. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and, and just really quick on that, on that one, on that one story angling was, um, I was out with a captain named Matt Budd. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Love Matt Budd. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He was one of the best captains I've been out with. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, we were, uh, set, we were going for sailfish and, uh, we had missed a couple of bites and he immediately changed the hooks. He's like, you know what? I don't usually use these hooks. I'm, I'm going back to what I'm, what I'm used to. And as soon as we did that, we started, we started catching, we started hooking up yeah. and, and landing fish. And he's like, well, there you go. He's like, I'm never using those hooks again. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm obsessive about how sharp the hooks need to be, you know? Right. And it, yeah, it was interesting to see just the level of detail that he had with, you know, just somebody like me, who's not that into it. I'd go, I'd go down to the fishing shop and go, Oh, okay. These hooks seem fine. Yeah. You know? But yeah, well, that's what, that's what, you know, at one point, that's what he said. These hooks seem fine. And then you go out there and you start losing fish and you start, you know, I'm not doing as well as I was before I used these hooks. Maybe it's the hook, you know, and sometimes it takes six months to figure that out. But once you do, 
then it's like, well, I don't know if I really want to experiment here, but if anything starts to go wrong, I'm going immediately back, you know? So he, he already knows that going in, yeah. you know, same yeah, kind of thing exactly. with, I'm sure it's the same kind of thing with diet and nutrition. It's like, you would say, um, you know, I'm going to follow my normal plan, but I, I feel like maybe if I change this one little thing, I might do a little bit better, but if anything is not right, I'm going right back to the way I was doing it before, which is right. proven and the way that I've, I've always done it. But if you don't experiment, how do you know? Right. Like yeah. you, in order to be good at anything, you have to experiment some. Correct. Correct. And uh, a lot of people make the mistake of, I don't want to get too far off the rails, but they'll, you know, they'll change their training, but then they'll also change something with their nutrition and their supplementation right. a and whole a bunch, bunch of stuff. Of other at stuff. Once. And they don't even actually know what worked. Right. And I'm sure a lot of the anglers do that too, where they, I, I'm guilty of this, you know, instead of changing one thing, I'll be like, all right, well, we're going to switch up the plugs and we're going to go, you know, higher in the water column and this and that and instead of being patient, you know? Right. Um, and, but that's a novice mistake is not being patient. Professionals are patient. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the big things. So what I would tell people getting back to kind of the topic of, um, you know, immunity is the stuff that the, the lesson from all that is the stuff that's going to work is boring. Right. It is boring. It's not sexy. It's not going to get front page news, but it does work. And so, being active, exercising. Now I get right now, if you're trying to start an exercise program, going to be a little difficult. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a home gym, right. right? So I have a squat rack, deadlift platform, bench press. I have a belt squat. You've seen my setup. Yeah. Um, so I, I can get most of done of what I need to get done in that setup. Um, not everybody's that fortunate. However, if you've got a body, you can do stuff with it. Right. Right. Um, whether it's even, you know, if you're somebody who has never been active before, um, if you live in a rural area, you can get out and walk, right? right? Like you can get out and do that. And people think, I think one of the reasons people don't start on a fitness journey is they feel like there's such a high barrier to entry. They say, well, I can't train five times a week, two hours a day. You don't need to. If you're inactive, if you just started walking 30 minutes, three times a week, do you will see tangible improvements in your health from that. Even if you changed nothing else, right? My, my dad started, uh, my dad has struggled with his weight for his entire adult life. And, um, he just started riding his bike again. Uh, I think about six months ago and he's down 20 pounds and he's like, you know, it doesn't feel restrictive to me. I just get out. I ride for half an hour. I get out in the fresh air. I enjoy it. And I feel better, you right. know? And I'm so happy just to hear him do that. Like, would it be better if he went out and lifted some weights? Sure. But this is better than nothing. Right. Absolutely. It's better than nothing. And so what I'll tell people is start where you are with what you've got right now. And if all you got is yourself, well, at least start with something, right? So you can do body weight squats or maybe, you know, especially some of the old, older folks, uh, if they've never lifted before, maybe they can't do a body weight squat right now. Right. That's fine. You pull out a chair, squat down to the chair come up, do it 10 times and do that three times right. and do that two, three times a week. And what will happen is it seems like nothing, but what will happen is you'll get better at doing that. And then maybe you can start doing bodyweight squats. And then maybe you can progress to where you're doing high step ups with one leg. Right. And then you can progress to, there's a, there's a lot of modality you can use. In fact, we just put up, um, Holly and I, my wife, we put together, um, like at home, basically no training programs and put it into a PDF and put it on our site for people to download uh, because we wanted to have something that people could do 
even without, you know, equipment. Right. Um, and what I will say also is for those people out there who are, you know, more advanced, who are a little bit, I realize that this seems probably like a, a minimal uh, concern considering the gravity of the situation. But I know a lot of people who are into fitness who are really concerned about losing all their, all their gains. Right. right? And what you need to maintain your fitness is way less than what's needed to build it. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, a skeletal muscle mass, there was a new study that came out that showed even one ninth, one ninth of the volume um, that you use to build your muscle will basically maintain it. Wow. So you could just do like one hard set a week and probably maintain most of your muscle mass. Um, and, you know, people say, well, like for more advanced people they say, well, I don't even have any weights. How can I do one hard set? Well, pretty sure, pretty sure you can't do high rep pistol squats. Right. Like if you can do high rep pistol squats on one leg, I'm going to be really impressed. Pretty sure you can't do high rep one arm pushups. If you can, I'm going to be really impressed. Right. Pretty sure you can't do high rep pull-ups. If you can, pretty sure you can't do high rep one-arm pull-ups, right? So you can maintain a lot of that muscle mass. And even if all you have access to is light weights, the research says that you can actually build just as much muscle using light weights going for high reps too close to failure as you can with heavy weights going to failure. Mm. So you, you still have options. It's probably a little bit more difficult. And I personally, I hate doing high reps. I just get bored. But... Hey, if I didn't have a weight set to use, that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. I mean, and then then there's the, uh, just breaking it up, breaking up your normal routine. If that's what you've been doing, you know, um, whatever, uh, a standard bodybuilding workout or whatever, that's what you've been doing for the last 20 years. Who's to say that if you broke it up for the next month and did high rep stuff with lower weights that you wouldn't receive some sort of benefit you didn't expect from doing that. I mean, I like, I like doing different stuff all the time. Like it's super heavy sometimes, super heavy for me, not for you, but super heavy <laughs> stuff sometimes. And then going to, you know, super high rep body weight stuff. Like we, we did that uh, 10,000 pushup challenge, which was yeah, uh, doing like 350 a day and uh, some days more so that I could back off later. And then the high rep pull up challenge. And then this month is, is uh, burpees. But the way that that whole challenge started was a very, 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 very simple challenge. Can you get 20 minutes of exercise 20 days in a row? And no, no um, specification on what the exercise is. Can you walk for 20 minutes? Can you run for 20 minutes? Can you lift weights for 20 minutes? I don't care. Could whatever you do, can you do that for 20 minutes? And can you maintain that consistency 20 days in a row? And then the next month it's okay. Now you've proven that you can go 20 days. Let's try something a little harder. And then let's try something a little harder after that. And let's start piling these things on. And uh, I mean, that's the way people, I I would think that you could do the same thing right now. Like just whatever it is, if you can do, if you got a little place to do pushups, then do pushups. Yeah. I, again, hundred percent with you. Um, Again, you know, if you're, let's take the most extreme scenario. You're somebody in New York city, you're stuck in a tiny apartment. You can't really go outside. Um, Pushups. You can do uh, bodyweight squats. You can do pistol squats. You, you have options. You might not like all your options, but you have options. Uh, one of my favorite quotes was from a, a friend of mine who was a, a 12-year Navy SEAL sniper veteran. And he said, if you can still draw breath into your lungs, you've got options. Right. You just might not like them, but you've got options. Yeah. You're only out of options when you're dead. Yeah. So I always try to, whenever things have gotten hard in my life, personally, I always try to keep that in mind that, okay, 
you know, our anxiety and our fears and our um, fear about the future can make us feel like we don't have options, but we, we do. We just have to, we might be picking against a really shitty choice or a slightly less shitty choice. <laughs> and so you make the slightly less shitty one, right? So in this situation, again, I would encourage anybody, whatever you can do, if you can't, if you can't do a push up, that's fine. Start from your knees. If you can't, if you don't want to do any kind of lifting, that's fine. Just walk. Right. If you can't do that, Hey, walk up and down your stairs for 20 minutes, right? Like if, and it, if you don't have stairs, then just walk around your house for 20 minutes. If yeah. you don't have, if you don't have that option, there's still other things you can do, right? And just start where you are with what you've got right now. And that will make, like you said, is it going to make your immune system bulletproof in a week? No, of course not. But could it pay dividends months and years down the road? Absolutely, it will. Absolutely. That is the foundation that you're putting in, right? So um, wash it. Let me put it to you this way. So if your immune system were a house, the foundation that holds that house up is your exercise, proper nutrition, vitamins, minerals, um, fiber, uh, getting in... Um, you know, making sure you're not deficient in anything, sleep, those sorts of things. That's building the foundation. Good hygiene, social distancing, washing your hands. There are a few supplements that seem like they may help a little bit. I do not want to oversell that. <laughs> um, that stuff is like the windows and the siding and all that kind of stuff, right? So that, that stuff's what looks nice that everybody sees. But that house doesn't stand up without a foundation. Right. And so that's, that's how I'd probably explain it. To so people. where would you, where would you put, uh, where would you put sleep in that house? Yeah, it, it's hard to, I would say that's more of a foundational thing. Uh, it's hard to really like weigh things because if you're not directly comparing them in the same study, like for example, how does sleep affect versus like resistance training, which I don't know of a study that's compared them. It's hard to really make that comparison of importance. Uh, but it does seem like sleep is one of the tangible things that you can do that will help you. And maybe even a little bit faster than some of the other stuff out there. But what is everybody terrible? Uh, well, so many people are terrible at doing at, at having good sleep. There's I, a lot of stuff I, on Netflix. I mean, there's some good stuff out there. You got to watch the Tiger King. You got to check out <laughs> all this other stuff. It, you end up staying up late, you know? Yeah, I, I think that um, it's really looking into how to practice good sleep habits. And I'm not saying I do all this stuff. I'm a human being. I, I don't do everything perfectly, right? But uh, one of the things you can really do well is having a good sleep routine, meaning the hour or two before bed, you have a routine that you get into to unwind. And that can look different for everybody. But one of the things that seems to be um, the case is trying to avoid blue light if you can, right? So that, that seems to have uh, issues with delaying the onset of sleep. So you can either, you know, you can buy glasses that are blue blockers. I think some phones you can get with screens. Um, there's actually a, a program you can download on your computer as well that will block blue light, I, th I believe. Um, so there's some, there's some things you can do tangibly if you are somebody who just absolutely wants to be able to look at a screen before you go to bed. Um, other than that, you know, limiting your caffeine. So even if you don't feel like a caffeine buzz or feel like, um, you know, caffeine fires you up. They've shown that even like 
I think it was like 200 milligrams of caffeine six hours before sleep still delayed the onset of sleep. Wow. So, you know, if you're somebody who drinks caffeine, try to confine that to the morning. Um, and then, you know, even you know, a supplement that does seem to help is melatonin. Melatonin seems to improve sleep quality. Um, you don't need very much. Three to five milligrams is plenty. It's pretty affordable. You can get it at Walgreens, that sort of thing. And it doesn't seem to have like a, a dependence or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing you can do. Also try to limit your fluid intake as you get later into the night. This is something I'm terrible at. <laughs> I always end up waking, you know, two, one or two times to have to go to the bathroom. Uh, but if you can do that so you can stay asleep longer, that's a good option. Uh, reading a book, you know, as, as something to wind down, all those things can make a difference and getting into bed. And also I will say one of the things is, Try to wait till you're tired to go to sleep. If you try to force yourself to sleep before you're tired, um, that seems to not help things. However, <laughs> if you're continuing to stay up later and later watching Netflix, as you said, um, you're moving that back, right? Right. So what I would suggest is if you want to start to try and go to sleep earlier, and I, I had to do this last year because my bedtime had always been you know, 12 or 1, and then as, as, as I had kids, I realized that that wasn't going to work anymore because they weren't going to acclimate to that. Um, I had to move that to around 10 PM, but I did that over the course of months. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, one week I'd cut it down by 15 minutes and then I'd cut it down by another 15 minutes and I'd cut it down by another 15 minutes to let my body acclimate. Um, so it wasn't such a shock. If you just try to start going to bed two hours earlier, I mean, good luck. Right. You know, it's, it's not going to work. So when you were doing that, would you get up earlier or would you just keep your, your get up time at the same time? No, I was getting, I was getting up earlier. Yeah. So I was, I'll usually get like, currently I'll usually get around seven and a half to eight hours of sleep. That's what I, I really shoot for. And I know we kind of have this, um, and I get it because I'm a, I'm a hard worker. We have this, you know, team, no sleep, you know, get it done, whatever it takes, you know, work hard. The problem is if you don't get enough sleep over time, your work quality really starts to suffer. Yeah. And I mean, in, in, in terms of physical exercise too, there's research to show that one of the best performance enhancers just below steroids is sleep. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes a big difference. I mean, in that book, uh, Matthew Walker, in his book, uh, Why We Sleep, there were a bunch of studies in there about that. Olympic athletes and all kinds of athletes, and, and they did nothing to improve skills, but they just improved their, their quality and amount of sleep and their performance skyrocketed. It was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that is something I will emphasize to people, but it's, I mean, again, these are all things that are just part of a healthy lifestyle, right? right? There's, it's not really even specific to immunity. It's just part of living a healthy lifestyle, Yeah. which I mean, these things aren't secrets, right? Like I'll tell people, I have kind of a list of about five things. I tell people that if you do, you're get you're about 99% of the way there. And that's <laughs> don't eat like an asshole, <laughs> uh, exercise regularly, get enough sleep, limit your stress and don't smoke and limit your alcohol consumption. So that's six, right? Yeah. Uh, if you do those six things, you're 99% of the way there. I mean, that doesn't mean you're not going to die at 50 of a massive heart attack, but if you do, it was probably a genetic thing. You know, those sorts of things do happen, but on the whole, in terms of stuff you can control, that is the six major things right there. Uh, I really believe that doing those six things 
makes a huge difference. And, but not just with immunity, just being a healthy person overall. Right. And being a healthy person overall, you're probably going to have a robust immune system. I would imagine if those are, if those are kind of your pillars of health. What about the one thing that I didn't hear you say anything about was um, exposure to sunlight, getting outside. Yeah. So um, I, I think that probably does matter. Um, especially because a lot of people in the in the United States and places that don't have a lot of direct sunlight, they're low in vitamin D. I think the estimate was something like 70% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D, which does seem to have an effect on the immune system. So I kind of lumped that in there with uh, proper nutrition because vitamin D you can get to the diet. Right. Um, but I would recommend anybody, and not just for the immune system, but also for just general health, Probably take a vitamin D supplement unless you're somebody, you know, if you're a charter captain on the water, you know, 300 days out of the year, probably getting enough vitamin D from sunlight. Well, maybe, but I've always wondered, like, even if you are doing that and you're staying covered up with, you know, like I wear a buff all the time or you've got sunscreen on, how much does that affect the, the ability of your body to turn light into vitamin D? You're still getting some UV that's going to get through that. I mean, I think I've, I think most shirts are like an SPF 30 or 40, something like that. Like most of the, yeah. uh, the solar shirts that you'll see. Um, so there is some that does get through. And I mean, you probably noticed that even if you stayed covered up, you probably had a decent tan most of the year. Oh yeah. So and you can even it, see like on, on those shirts, like, like on this one that I'm wearing right here where the fabric is doubled. Like when you're spending a ton of time on the water where you take your shirt off and where the fabric is doubled, it's, it's light and you yeah. can see like yeah. every seam in your shirt. It's, it's bizarre or your or where the fabric's doubled on your t-shirt or, or whatever. That's, that's when you know you're, you're getting a lot of sun, but you know, even then, if you are to supplement with vitamin D, what is, do you do like a, a like I see D3. That's what I have yeah. in my medicine cabinet is like D3. D3. That's what you want to take. Yeah, that's the uh, active form of vitamin D. So that's what you want to take. Okay. And that's what most supplements out there are is vitamin, is vitamin D3. There, there are some other ones, but I definitely get vitamin D3. Um, as a general recommendation, dosages up to 5,000 IUs per day seem to be safe. Um, I think most people probably two to 3,000 is probably just fine. Going to easily get the job done. Um yeah, I, I think that those are pretty good general recommendations. But obviously, here comes the disclaimer. Speak with your physician and and, and make sure that they're on board with that um, right. and you don't have any contraindications, that I, sort of thing. I mean, through through blood work, you can like sometimes I've asked my physician when I go in and get blood work, I'm like, check the vitamin D levels or check check all my vitamin levels. And that you can do that, right? When you get that's where you do it at your physician, right? When you're getting blood yep, work. You can do yeah. that. Yep. That's actually how I found it. I was actually deficient in vitamin D. Uh, because even though I live hey, in Florida, you need, a, you need a tan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though I live in Florida, well, my wife gets. Have you ever seen the Holly? Holly is like the like she's always like golden brown. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It must be something she's in Australian DNA of, or something yeah, well, like that. Yeah, well, that's 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 the land of of golden brown people down there. The, the Australians is, they love the sun. They do. They do. And they, yeah, it's actually it's interesting. Australia is very outdoor, at least especially where she grew up and and where she lived. Um, very outdoors, just community. A lot of people get out, they're outside riding their bikes, they're on trails, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, she's always getting on me. She's like, yeah, how do you live in Florida in a place where it's sunny and you have no tan? I'm like, well, so I've actually gotten better. Believe it or not. I've actually you're gotten training better. in your garage all the time. That's what you're doing. 
<laughs> but uh, I think that uh, yeah, that that was part of it, right? I I worked um I worked you know on a computer inside, and then I would go out to go train, and uh, on occasion I'd get out in the water. I I would probably I probably average getting out in the water to go fishing probably once or twice a month. Um, now recently. Because fortunately, we have uh, my boat is at a um, a ramp where it's not closed, and we don't have to interact with anybody to get the boat in the water. There you go. So we've been using it every weekend, which is great. Although I will say, it's actually been kind of tough because I think there's a lot of yahoos out in the water right now who never use their boats who are starting to use them. Because I have seen more people blistering through no wake zones than ever before. Well, maybe they but, maybe they just think that there's no law enforcement out there because there's. I've actually seen more law enforcement out there. Yeah. yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. But, uh, and so it's been nice to get out and, and, and be outdoors and that sort of stuff, you know, and, um, um, that's one other thing to, to comment about this is as uh, summer rolls around, a lot of experts think that this may also help with the virus as well, because people aren't going to be crowded together as much. Yeah. Because if you think about, you know, winter, you know, even uh, you from uh, Nashville originally, I think Chattanooga, Chattanooga. Okay. So, Probably you guys would probably get a good snow. Well, unless are were you up in the mountains? No, no, Chattanooga definitely doesn't have much snow. It's maybe yeah, uh, if you're talking about snow, one, it would happen once once a year. You get a dusting, maybe once yeah. every two or three years. The schools are closed, you know, for snow, but not much. Yeah. So, so you guys, the worst you would probably see is you'd have some some days in the 30s, is my guess, and some nights where it got below freezing, but probably not super long period of time. Right. Um, but even then, in the winter you're probably, if you're doing anything, you're not doing a ton of outdoor stuff. You're doing, you know, events, concerts, whatever, right. movies, you know, right. that sort of thing uh, where you're in a box with a lot of people, right? And that's how diseases get spread. Once things get where people can get out more in the open, and I know people have said, you know, well, stay home. But I think the reason that people are saying stay home is because, we have a hard time not being around other people, right? In fact, social isolation is one of the most brutal things you can do to somebody. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that they put, you know, really bad prisoners prisoners into solitary confinement, right? right? Cause that's one of the best worst ways you can punish someone. Um, so, but I do think that, that as summer rolls around things will, again, I don't want to overemphasize it. They're not going to be back to normal, but I think people are going to start being able to do more activities and we're going to, I think by the time July, August rolls around, everyone's going to feel better about the place we're in. I think the economy is going to start to come back and, and those sorts of things. And it's, it's probably not going to be a sharp return. Like a lot of people are hoping where it's like, okay, this certain date passes and boom, we're just back to everything's back to normal. But I, I really do think that, you know, five, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, well, that sucked, but you know, we got through it. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right. And, uh, I have, I have a lot of very positive feelings right now. I think that there are a lot of opportunities out there. I think it's a global reset for everyone. I've said that a number of times, but I do really think that this is like a, a big reset. It's a reset for everything. Like in, in and yeah. what a great opportunity to cast off bad habits and create new habits like what we've been talking about here. And, you know, if you're interested in all of this stuff, we just barely scratched the surface with Lane. You can go and, uh, and find his stuff. He's going to tell you exactly where, but, um, yeah, it's highly suggested. He's got all kinds of great, uh, resources. Yeah. If you, if you guys are interested in the stuff I do, I have several books out there. Um, 
you know, for your audience, probably fat loss forever is the one that a lot of people are going to, are going to resound with, which is kind of my fat loss manifesto, everything poured into that, that in terms of not just, you know, how to diet, but why to do certain things. Um, and it doesn't push any one type of diet. It's, it's building a, your, your best plan for your individual circumstance. And also not just that, but the behaviors and habits that you need to have, regardless of the kind of diet that you're going to be on. So that, that's one thing that I think a lot of people could benefit from and and can check out. And it's, it goes deep into the science, but it's written in a way and has enough analogies that the layperson can understand it. So that's one thing. Uh, my website, biolane.com. We have a lot of content on there. A lot of it's free. Some of it's, some of it's paid. We do have uh, what we call the workout builder, which are customized workout templates, depending on your uh, goal, skill, all that sort of stuff that um, is a subscription service. Uh, we also have some free workouts on there, especially home workouts right now that you can download. Um, and then on my social media, I'm uh, BioLane across platforms. And then um, the one cool thing that we're going to have coming out relatively soon is we're going to have a nutrition coaching app that's going to be uh, $9.99 a month that will basically, it's kind of based off fat loss forever. And it's basically going to tell you, you know, if you put your information in and it's going to give you recommendations and then it will change those recommendations uh, based on how you progress and your individual circumstance, your individual metabolism, as well as uh, your individual goals. So we're really excited about that. We've been working on that for well over a year. And so with that thing, um, will it adjust as you, like if you have hard training days and easier training days or a hard training season, like you're going to do a, you know, a, 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 for the next three months, you're going to be squatting super heavy or something like that. Yeah. Will it, that um, go in there and change all of your nutritional requirements? So uh, what it will do is it will basically like, so for example, it'll be a little bit, it'll be reactive. So essentially, um, let's say you're on a fat loss goal and your training intensity really ramps up and you start losing a lot more weight than the, uh, algorithm predicts. Uh, it will raise your nutritional intake, um, to compensate for that. So yes, it will adjust for those sorts of things. And we also have a, uh, nutrition planner. So we, we operate off of kind of a weekly budget of calories, if that makes sense. So if you know you have days that are harder training where you'd like some more calories for, you can... So for example, like let's say you know that uh, Wednesdays are your hardest training days and you want to raise your calorie intake on that day. You can go to the planner, select Wednesday, drag it to the calorie level you want, and it will automatically adjust all the wow. other days nice. uh, to compensate. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really cool feature. Um, we we actually it's ready right now, but we so we've submitted to Apple, and we're just waiting to get approved. Uh, unfortunately, right now because of COVID, um, Apple is really behind on their app developing approvals, and it's taking them up to a month to approve stuff. So we just don't know when it's going to be available, wow. but um, it's basically ready. How long did you work on that app? Oh, well over a year. Really? <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of money, but, um, you know, it was myself, Holly and a friend of ours, Keith Crocker. We did kind of the backend algorithm, uh, of how it, um, formulates these programs, how it adjusts them. And I really believe it's going to be the, the, there's a few things on the market right now that do that sort of thing, but nothing's going to be as good as this in my opinion. Very cool. So if, when it is available in Apple, um, the app store, what's it called? It'll be called uh, Carbon Diet Coach. Carbon Diet Coach. Okay. 
And if people want to find out more information about it, they can go to joincarbon.com. Right on. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time, Lane. I know you're real busy even during the lockdown. You're you're make your living on the uh, on the internet, so you're one of the one of the fortunate ones that can keep doing kind of what you've been doing all along, which is spreading uh, science and good information and helping a lot of people. So, man, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. And if you guys are interested, go right to all of the resources that he pointed out, and I think that you will be very happy that you did. I read his book and enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, hopefully after this is all over, we'll get a chance to get out in the water and go fishing fishing. together. Yep, we're going fishing right after, as soon as we get back together, we'll uh, we'll go fishing. And I hope that's sooner than than later, just like everybody else. It's time to get back to to normal, back to where we were, or at least in a place where we can all get together. Because the social isolation, like you say, man, it's tough on everybody. All right. I will, I will leave with one, one thing if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've really on my Instagram, I've tried to get, I, I've, I've been living my workouts and trying to give positivity because I know a lot of people are struggling right now. Just remember that. Yes, this is hard. I'm not trying to shame anybody, but remember there are people dying every day. And if you're still alive, you're one of the lucky ones, right? So, um, try to wake up and think about something you're grateful for. So the other day, um, I don't want to throw my wife under the bus. She she started kind of um, uh, complaining just a little bit because it's really hot in our garage because it's Florida and it's humid, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, babe, you should probably live this and, and tell everybody about how hot it is in our, our home gym and, and just see how much sympathy you get. And she was like, yep, good point. I'm very grateful we have this, you know? So we try to start out each day, her and I, with the kind of, okay, what are we grateful for? And I'm not going to say that we never complain. I complain too. We're human. But try to bring yourself back to that grounding of, okay, if your family's still here, your friends are still here, you're alive. Hey, you, you may have lost your job. You may hate the way things are going. It is going to pass. Yeah. And if you're alive, you're in a great spot. So just try to start that with that gratefulness mindset. And I love it. Living, living in gratitude. That's a very powerful way to live. And, um, we've had many other podcast guests on recently and somebody like Noah Olson, second fittest man in the world, according to the CrossFit games, he, he says that that's his, that's his, uh, recipe. That's his, that's his secret sauce is, uh, a gratitude journal and, and being very grateful for every single day and everything he has. So great, great advice. And, uh, you can take it a step further and instead of just saying it, you can, write it down. And, uh, I think that that makes a huge difference as well. Find, you know, create your own little gratitude journal and find three or five things that you're grateful for, no matter how big or how small every single day. I try to do that as well. And, uh, very powerful. All right, Lane. Thanks so much, man. And, uh, we will, we'll do this again, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Have a great one. All right. See ya. Well, that was bio lane and, uh, man, gave us a lot of good things to think about. Mostly that there is no magic bullet and you got to take things one at a time. Uh, This podcast was brought to you by Waypoint TV. If you are interested in seeing some really good outdoor content, you can head to waypointtv.com. You can find out how to get Waypoint TV on all of your devices, including uh, Apple TV, Roku. You can get it on Samsung Plus TV, other free channels like Pluto, Tubi, Zumo, all these other channels that are free right now. Many people are cutting 
their subscription services. Many people have already cut the cable. So if you are one of those people, you can turn on your Samsung Plus and you can find the Waypoint channel there for lots of good free content. Or you can get it on your, um, on your regular TV just by going and looking through the Apple um, app store. You can get it on Roku. You can get it on all these different devices, have it on your phone, or you can simply go to the website waypointtv.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.